The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Hey, good morning, Summit Church. I am so glad that you chose to join us online today. Now, if you live in Oklahoma, you know that a week or so ago, our governor stated that we were allowed as churches to open back up after May 1. Well, it's May 3rd, and you might be wondering, what so many are, uh, what's the plan? Why why aren't we back today if you can be back? Well, if you read the guidelines closely, uh, phase one, you could come, but you couldn't have children's ministry. Everyone had to wear masks. It, It just didn't really seem like the right idea to open now. Uh, We will evaluate opening on May 17th, but I'm going to tell you right now, uh, the elders and the staff and I, we really feel pretty passionate about loving our neighbor by being socially responsible. And the lobby is not big at either of our church buildings and our auditoriums fill up with people. And we would just hate to jump back in to something that really we don't have to jump back into. Church online is working for most of us. So we're going to evaluate with every step uh, what needs to happen. We're going to pray. We're going to seek the Lord. We're going to see kind of what some other churches are doing. Uh, But we are in no huge hurry. And I just want you to know the reason. The reason is we want to love people well by being socially responsible. That's our heart. That's what we're doing. We will communicate as much as we can with you. You got an email from me this week. If you didn't get an email from me this week, uh, there's a link right below me where you can fill out an online connection form and we will communicate with you then. So uh, we're going to communicate. We're going to get the word out when we're coming back. I just don't know when that's going to be for right now. The earliest, the earliest would be May 17th though. So we got a couple more weeks of this. Uh, We started a series called Rebuild two weeks ago. Uh, The idea is this, if you have time in this season that you normally don't have, let's look at our lives and let's try to rebuild some areas that maybe need to be strengthened. And the first one we looked at, we looked at rebuilding our faith. How how does that maybe need to happen in this time? Last week, we looked at rebuilding the relationships within our home, specifically husbands and wives. And today we're going to look at rebuilding our community, but not Oklahoma City, Norman. That's not the community I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people in your life, your friends, the, the relationships you have with your coworkers, so on and so forth. Because what we all know is that in this season of social distancing, our relationships look and they feel different. We're having to be more intentional. And I personally am learning a lot of lessons about myself and how I relate to people. And I think these are lessons that I can look at and apply to my life and possibly come out of this, whenever that is, come out of this stronger as a friend, as a coworker, as a person who lives in this community. So that's what I want to talk about today. But I just want us to remember that everything we're doing, we want to rebuild on a firm foundation. So if we're going to rebuild our relationships, our community, and we want to do that on a firm foundation, we believe that that firm foundation is Jesus and his word. And we take that from Matthew chapter 7. Okay, so Matthew chapter 7, we've read this every week. I want to read it again. Verses 24 through 27, it says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock, on Jesus. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. 
To build biblical community, we must build relationships that look like Scripture teaches us to have them look. That's what we must do. To be able to do this, we need to know what God says. This is what biblical biblical community and relationships look like. And today, we're going to learn from what the Bible says is the wisest man to ever live. His name's Solomon. He wrote a bunch of wisdom literature, but one book that's a little bit more obscure, you, you maybe never jumped into it, is the book of Ecclesiastes. He wrote this, and for one reason, he had everything. In our world, if we would have looked at Solomon, we would have said, you have it all. You've experienced it all. He's the king of God's people. He's wealthy beyond belief, huge family. He had great successes, great failures, but in the end, after he had seen it all, he wrote this letter saying, here's what wisdom really is. And one of the reoccurring phrases in this book is, it's all meaningless. So much of the chasing and the striving that we do in this life, he says, is meaningless. And as he talks in Ecclesiastes chapter four about relationships, about friendships, he says that a lot of what we do, it's kind of meaningless. So we're going to start today laying this biblical foundation, rebuilding our community, rebuilding our relationships. We're going to start actually with the things that hurt relationships. We're going to start with the negatives, things that actually destroy it. Because if you can see now in the season where we're separated, hey, I actually am guilty of this. Maybe you can start to change and repent and move away from those those characteristics, the way that you live, and actually build on that firm foundation. So Ecclesiastes chapter four, he says, the first reason why community or relationships fail is because of envy and jealousy. Envy and jealousy, Ecclesiastes four, verse four. And I, that Solomon, saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless. It's like chasing after the wind. You're never gonna catch it. All toil comes from me looking across the room and seeing you, seeing you succeed and me going, I want that. that. That's what drives us. So now I know that's not true for everyone, okay? But we're gonna get real today. So, so let's, let's talk. I think for many of us, comparison does drive us. We see a bigger house, a better title. We see these things that we want and that compels us, that moves us. But it also is very, very, very damaging to our relationships. It makes relationships crumble because when someone succeeds, that actually frustrates us. And when someone fails, now secretly it maybe causes us to rejoice. To me, that's the number one test right there of whether or not you have this envy and jealousy in your relationships. Do you celebrate with people when they succeed? Do you genuinely want to come alongside and go, way to go? Or in your heart, do you go, ah, that should have been me. And when they fail, do you secretly smile? Or do you mourn with them? Can you rejoice in their success? Can you mourn with them in their failure? Envy and jealousy have no place in relationships, yet as humans, if we're honest, it sneaks itself in quite often. And if we allow it to remain, if we don't address it and talk about it, if it's the foundation of the relationship, that relationship's going to crumble. The second thing, the second thing that Solomon says will destroy a relationship is laziness. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 5. Fools fold their hands and then they ruin themselves. Now, when I picture someone folding their hands, I picture this, but I I had this thought. It's the old man posture, right? Okay, have you ever seen the old man who just sits back in his chair and rests his hands on his big old belly? Have you ever seen that? It's kind of iconic, right? That image in your mind. And I've almost got that belly now, and that's also because of laziness, but this is a different kind. Uh, Relationships fail when we say, I ain't going to put in the work. I don't need any friends. I don't need community. You know why most people say that? Because they tried once and it was too hard. Relationships take work. And we're seeing that now in this season, right? You're having to be strategic. You're having to be intentional with your relationships. You're having to plan Zoom calls to talk to people. You're having to intentionally reach out. You're not just running into people as much as you used to. If you want to keep that relationship going, it's taking work. We're seeing that. And I believe we need to continue that in the future, acting as if we can't see each other unless we do something about it. Because that's how relationships will thrive. When two people or a group of people are willing to put in the work that it takes to be in that relationship Laziness, laziness never allows a relationship to thrive. But I will tell you this, lazy people will consume from a relationship until it crumbles. They will say, I'm not willing to help you, but you better dang sure be there to help me when I need it. And if you have a pattern of relationships in your life that have ended because people just get burnt out, They just can't give any more. You need to look. You need to take this season to rebuild and realize that you need to be the friend that you want to have. You need to be the type of friend that you want to have. If I'm really candid with you, this one resonates with me. This one resonates with me because because I tend to expect more from people than I'm willing to give myself. That's selfish. It's lazy. But it's true. And I can't imagine how people in my life from time to time will feel undervalued because I'm not valuing them. I'm not valuing them. Relationships take work. The third reason that Paul or Paul Solomon says that relationships fail is because of dissatisfaction. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 6. Better one handful, better one amount of something with tranquility, with peace, than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Many people just live their life for what it could be, for what they could have. They keep chasing and working for so much more. And they bring that to their relationships. They're saying, hey, I need more from you. I I want two handfuls. I, I need more of you. These people place blame on everyone around them for their own dissatisfaction. And those people are very hard to be in relationships with. Church, the encouragement from the wisest man that ever lived from Solomon, the encouragement is this. Be content with less. I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about the number of relationships. 
saying stop burning bridges because you have these expectations that no one is going to be able to meet. No one's going to be able to meet those. Envy, jealousy, laziness, dissatisfaction, they will destroy relationships. If this sounds like things that are destroying your relationships, you need to look at each of these and make sure you listen and take warning and begin to rebuild on a solid, biblical, godly foundation because there are great things that come from having people in your life. Solomon talks about those next in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. He says this, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Many hands make light work. Two people doing the same thing together are going to get it done and there's going to be a greater return for that work. Having people in your life makes life easier. And if you're sitting here going, no, that's not been my story. In fact, having people in my life only made my life harder. Then you need to go back to those first three points and look at yourself. Because God did not create us to live on islands. He created us to live in community. And one of the reasons is because by having people around you, it makes life easier. Verse 10, if either person, if either one of them falls down, one can help the other one up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. I I always picture more than just stumbling right here. I picture literally like falling into a hole. Someone who falls into a hole and they cannot reach the top, they cannot get themselves out. How nice would it be to have a friend right there to reach their hand down and pull you up? And there are many of us who metaphorically have fallen deep into the trenches and the reason we're still there is because we had burned all our bridges and we didn't have anyone there to pull us out. Relationships matter, people matter. It takes work, but why is it beneficial? Because when you fall, and we all will, there'll be someone there to pick you up. Verse 11. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? You might immediately think that's kind of sensual. Is this this talking about what I'm thinking it's talking about? No, it's it's a metaphor. Um, And as a professed lover of cuddling, I can tell you that a good cuddle, a good spoon is an amazing, amazing thing. Ask my brothers-in-law. I weird them out every time they're around. I just love a good spoon, love a good cuddle. Some people don't. But here's the truth that Solomon wants us to hear. There's going to be seasons in life where you're cold, where it's hard. Pity the person who has no one there to help warm them up. Pity the person who has no one close enough to come in and offer sympathy, love, nurture, care. Pity that person. Verse 12. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and by cracky, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. A beautiful image to say that in this life, things will come after you. You will be attacked. You can better defend yourself against those attacks if you have people right there with you. And I believe what Solomon's saying is the more the better. The more the better. So we've seen what destroys 
relationships. We've seen what destroys community. We've seen why community is important. So let's end then as we look to rebuild, let's end just practically with how do you rebuild relationships? How can you in this season look at your life and go, okay, maybe I do have some dysfunction, but I need to repent from that and change it. What practically can I do? Just give give me some things. And, And I have four. Number one, prioritize connection. Relationships don't just happen, they take work. My wife gets this so well. She is a great friend to so many for one reason. She remembers them. She remembers the things in their life that are big. I can't tell you the number of times that I will wake up and Paige will go, hey, uh, today you probably need to reach out to so-and-so because this is the anniversary of their mother's death. Hey, you need to reach out to so-and-so because this is their anniversary. You need to tell them happy anniversary. Hey, you may need to reach out to this person because they had a bad week and, and, it, and they're going to get some results it, today. She remembers all this and it's, it's, it's sometimes frustrating because I, I don't, but it makes you such a good friend. Do you know what's hard for those types of friends? Being friends with people who are not like that. Always feeling like you're doing more. That's the hard part for her. She always feels like, is is anyone doing this for me? I'm, I'm always remembering everything. We need to prioritize connection. We need to remember what's going on in people's lives and we need to work at it. We need to work at connecting. And when we get out of this, I pray that we keep the same fervor that we have now to value and prioritize connection. We need to create connection, number two. Create connection. It doesn't just happen naturally for very long. But in my opinion, one of the best ways to connect, one of the best ways to quickly form relationship is to serve with one another. And make this a priority then, make a a priority being, we're gonna get together for this purpose, for this project, and we're going to sweat together. There's nothing that more quickly unifies a group of people than suffering together. And I know that sounds weird, but I was a youth pastor for a lot of years and I watched my youth group mold more on a hayride one night in October because it was 25 degrees outside. They all suffered and they talked about that. They had a shared experience. Now we don't have to all go sweat or freeze, but connection happens when we're doing something together and we're experiencing life together. And what better way to do that than to serve? Don't know if you've ever been on a mission trip, but it's amazing to watch strangers get on a plane and eight days later come back best friends. Why did that happen? because they serve together. We have two people on staff that are married today because they went on a mission trip together and came back in love with one another. It it happens. We need to prioritize connection. We need to create connection. I think the best way to do that is to serve. Number three, we need ministry to be seen as connection. Now, here's where I wanna take this, just just real quickly. In this season, in this COVID-19 season, There is more room for spiritual conversation than I believe there's ever been. People are more open to the idea of needing a higher power, in this case, God, than I think many have ever been. And if we as the church don't see opportunities to minister to 
people that we come into contact with on an everyday basis, people that we come into contact with who do not know Jesus, if we do not take advantage of this opportunity, we are missing it. And then I believe you're also missing opportunity for relationship. Because people aren't going to care about what we know until they know that we care. So the first thing that I want you to see around you is the opportunity to meet needs. Church, you're doing a great job through our care portal of meeting needs. We have so many people that are willing and able to say, I, I want to meet that need. But I want you to understand that every time we meet a need, every time you meet a need, it opens up an opportunity for a conversation, a conversation about that person's greater need and as their need for God. And I know what I mean. You're like, I'm not an evangelist. That's your job. I, I, don't, I don't talk about Jesus. I just show Jesus. No, we need to show Jesus to earn the right to talk about Jesus. And there's no better way and there's no better time than right now for us to use relationships that we have with people who may be hurting to meet physical needs, to earn the right then to tell them about the joy and the hope that we have in Jesus. Ministry can lead to connection. And finally, a spiritual connection. One of the best ways for us to connect in this life is by praying with and for one another. James 5 verse 16 says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Many of you have text threads with people. I think we need to have just as many text threads of prayer. People that we're daily praying with, daily praying for, uniting us around a like mission and a like heart for God and for his purpose, for his kingdom, for his power to be unleashed in people's lives. I believe that there is intimacy in prayer. Some of the people that I respect the most in this church, I respect because I know they are praying for Paige and I. And they're not just praying for Paige and I, they're praying for many people. And that is connection. And why do I know they're praying? Because they tell me they're praying. Because they ask me, how can I be praying? It's a beautiful and powerful thing and it's not that hard to do. Even people without faith are typically not offended if you say, is there anything I can pray for you? Is there anything that you like God to do in your life. Church, relationships really do matter. We need them in our lives, but we need to have healthy relationships. Relationships that are built on a firm foundation. And maybe in this season when relationships look completely different, this is your time, this is your chance to rebuild how you do relationships to come out of the season stronger, more connected with others. Allowing those relationships to not only encourage you, but for you to be able to encourage them and for us as a people to be stronger. Rebuilding our community. Even if I were talking about Oklahoma City or Norman, the way you rebuild those communities is one person at a time. So I challenge you this week, I challenge you church, to look at your life, to look at your relationships, to look and see if there's a piece or a part of you that needs to be adjusted and rebuilt so that you might have the kind of relationships that Solomon was talking about. 
kind of relationships that come with a blessing. Those relationships matter. Those relationships last. And God created us to have those relationships. So Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would allow every person listening here today to see within themselves the, the need that they have for people and to allow themselves to be the people that other people need. God, create in us community, biblical community based on you and your word. May it be our strength in this time of chaos and craziness as you, Lord, are our strength. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.